Hi, I'm Peggy. And I'm Dave. And this is Amped. Hey, Dave, how are you today? I'm doing very well. And you? I am doing okay. Doing all right. Glad to hear that. We're at the end of February, so winter's almost over. Spring is right around the corner. And summertime and long days and swimming and less chaos. So we can get there. I don't think you want to look at the forecast for the next week. I know. In the Northeast. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> it's all right. But yes, all of those things are noble aspirations. Yes. It's what's keeping me. We've, uh, kids, especially my youngest, has been sick down with um, double whammy of flu and pneumonia. So it's not been a banner week in our house. So I think I'm just kind of looking for brighter, happier days and less I germs. Think that's a- Yes, that's a wise thing to do. Yes, yes. So, and today's podcast kind of relates a little bit because we're talking about um, kind of medical issues and persistent problems that somebody may encounter post-amputation, post-limb loss as they go throughout the course of their life. Dave, when when we were thinking about topics, um, Amy Purdy has been in the news because she's in the hospital um, because of some some issues that she's having with both her limb and now her kidneys are impacted. Um, and it really got me thinking that we put so much time into podcasts talking about getting ready for an amputation and how to adjust to an amputation and how to choose your prosthesis and how do you deal with your medical professionals and all of these things. And we've never really kind of addressed a really big issue for the community, which is, you know, revision surgery or medical issues that pop up, you know, when, when you think everything's going well and you're just living your life, boom, you can be knocked down again. Yeah. It's, uh, it's kind of omnipresent and it's, uh, we were talking before the podcast, uh, this may be very much the rule, not the exception for most people with limb loss. Um, but, um, clearly different types of complications coming up at different times after the amputation are a, an, certainly a threat for, for everyone with, uh, limb loss or limb difference. And in this podcast, we want to try to, I think, sort of suss some of that stuff out. Absolutely. So do you want to do the overview or do you want me to? Oh, I'll do the overview. I think you're, you're, you have a much richer history in this area than I do. So you're going to be uh, the voice of, of wisdom on a lot of this in the, as we go into the main discussion. So as we've already highlighted, you know, amputation, unfortunately, often isn't the end of our medical issues. Um, and um, some complications can even predate amputation. The amputation is more of a symptom of a larger problem um, and then continue thereafter. Others can present themselves shortly after amputation and still others, it can take years for them to arise, but when they do, uh, they can be pretty profound. So in this podcast, we'll cover the different types of issues, timelines that they can occur in. We'll talk about our personal experience with post-amputation complications, and we'll also have some, some suggestions on ways to cope with this reality. Yes. Um, and, you know, complications really are kind of, or at least a threat of a complication. As you said earlier, it's just, it's something that's always lurking. It's something that's always there. I know that whenever I have an issue pop up, it, it reminds me of the constant vulnerability 
that that I live my life in terms of my mobility and my ambulation is that, you know, not only can a component go wrong and then, you know, I'm stuck on crutches or with a knee scooter, but, you know, sores or, or, you know, bone spurs and a lot of different issues can happen from out of nowhere, seemingly, and render me immobile as well. Um, Again, some different types of complications, you know, many amputees and individuals with limb loss bring very complex medical conditions to the table, including diabetes, including dysvascular disease, including obesity, cancer, um, and even, and, and I know we don't have this one on the show notes, Dave, but even different trauma, if you have different uh, skin grafts and things like that, that that can really add layer of complexity with skin health and those kind of issues. Yep, that's right. And I mean, there are probably 15 different things that we easily could have listed in here in complex medical conditions. There's reflex sympathy, dystrophy, RSD, you know, there's lots of stuff that is very rare, but um, it is within our community actually is, is more common. And it's not even necessarily that it's rare and um, we don't have pregnancy on the list. And I know after both of my pregnancies, I had to go through major limb revisions. And that's actually a fairly common thing to happen. So sometimes things that, that, you know, are kind of normal through the life cycle can cause changes in the limb that sometimes requires surgical intervention. Um, Some amputation specific complications, um, phantom pain. We've talked you know, quite extensively about phantom pain is something that you and I both have unfortunately experienced with, at least on some level. Um, and then repetitive stress and overloading on the sound side. So you find that your biological limb starts hurting more because it's the one that's kind of bearing the brunt of, of overuse. Uh, spine pain, you know, if your prosthesis is out of alignment or just variations and deviations in gait, um, one small little deviation can throw your whole body alignment out. And that can also, uh, you know, for our upper extremity friends, you could have shoulder, wrist, elbow pain. Um, all of those things are a combination of how your body is moving and how you're carrying it and the repetitive stress on your sound limb and knee osteoarthritis. Um, for another project, I've been doing some research on the incidence of knee osteoarthritis and amputations, and I was just shocked. I knew that that I was at a greater risk for it, but I didn't realize that a baloney amputee was almost twice the risk for osteoarthritis in the sound knee, on, you know, the, the sound side knee as our quote-unquote able-bodied friends. And you, I'm sorry to say, are at a great, even greater risk in your knee than than those with all four limbs. Yeah, and this that's one interestingly that I've been acutely aware of, largely because I work for a company that a sells braces for knee OA, and b um, a lot of the a lot of the components that we develop, and this isn't specific just to our company. Many companies argue this; they talk about you know, components promoting gait symmetry and uh, more even loading. And those become arguments, medical necessity arguments to prevent NEOA. So this is one that uh, I've seen, Peggy, more from the professional side of things. I fortunately have not experienced it yet, but there is an absolute direct link between amputation and the development of 
osteoarthritis in the knee, which, um, you know, can you know, ultimately in its most extreme form, you're talking about knee replacement is the, is the, the fix, but there are preventative measures and, and things short of that, that, um, especially people with limb loss would want to be trying, uh, because obviously a knee replacement on your sound side is going to lay you up pretty well for an extended period of time. Yeah. I mean, all of these issues, Dave, I don't want to scare people off, right? Because I think you and I both lead very rich and very full lives, but it is something that isn't really discussed a lot in the community, the the need for revisions and just kind of living under the constant fear that something's going to go wrong. Even if you, it's not overt, somewhere deep down, you know that, that that little ache or that little pain or offloading incorrectly too many times is going to cause problems down the, lo- down the road. And when I found out about Amy Purdy uh, being in the hospital, it just it brought to light so much for me because I was like, you know, it, she was on top of the world. And now because, because of these issues, she's sidelined. And that can happen to anybody at any time. And it's, you know, we still continue to live our lives. We still are active and happy and don't let it hold us back from living our lives or you shouldn't. But there become moments where I know from at least my experience, I become just tired. You just get tired of always dealing with it and tired and frustrated. And I kind of have a, this really stinks, you know, and I wallow for a few minutes and it's like, all right, well, there's nothing I can do about it. So you gather yourself up and suck it up and move on. But it is something that I think every, I'm not going to say every, but I, I don't know any amputee that doesn't deal with this kind of anxiety on some level. Yeah. It, it, and I experience it a bit differently. For me, it's very much forward looking. It's thinking about what happens when I'm 65 and I inevitably fall and, you know, what, you know, am I going to break my hip and then am I going to be in a nursing home at a, at a really early age relative to, relative to what you normally hear about? Just because, you know, the, the risk factors as an amputee for falling and the injuries that result from that are obviously much higher. And so, um, you start thinking about those types of issues, um, and, that, that is a complication of amputation. It may be 50 years from the amputation date, but it's directly related to it. And there's no question that it shapes how you think about both your future, which affects, it, you know, if, if you really work backwards from there, it affects how you think about the present as well. And um, it shapes how you perceive the world around you and what you choose to do and not do. Absolutely. Um, so you and I actually have some very different experiences, um, shocking to our normal listeners, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to complications and um, mind focus primarily around revisions, because when I was preparing for this podcast, I, I can name off at least seven, and I'm fairly certain that I'm missing a few. Um, and mine was a delayed amputation. So my, my amputation was clean. It wasn't trauma. They, you know, they knew everything was done correctly. It's just part of it is, I think, the difference between um, above knee, below knee. I, you know, especially when it comes to, to the surgical revisions, I think below knee amputees tend to be a little bit more prone towards the surgical interventions, mainly because there's more of the limb to, to, to revise 
And I think that's, you know, um, help me out here because my mind just went blank. I'm sorry. <laughs> you were talking about how below, below the knee amputees tend to have more revision surgeries in part because more limb length right. for, up, for an above the knee amputee is an example. The, you know, the, there's not a, a heavy appetite on the part of surgeons unless they absolutely have to, to shorten uh, a limb that is already relatively speaking short. Right. Okay. So I've had um, numerous issues with bone spurs, which I can suck up and deal with for a little while, but then eventually they have to go in and, and shave them off. I've also had the skin flap, you know, um, I call it a stump lift where they go in and, you know, the, the skin on the bottom of the limb kind of gets wobbly and eventually the bone is really hitting against the socket and becomes painful. So they have to go in and kind of tighten everything up again, like you would with the tummy tuck, except it's on my limb. Um, the last revision, um, after that revision, I swore I was never, ever going to do another one again. Um, and so far I've held true to that. They actually had to go in and reamputate and take about another inch off my limb after my last pregnancy because the bone actually shattered upward um and there were just shards and it was just it was just a mess um that was by far the most painful surgery and recovery including from the original amputation it was horrible um part of it i think was complicated because i had was trying to take care of a preemie at the time as well. So I was sleep deprived going in and then, you know, all of the complications of trying to care for, you know, a high needs baby when you can't walk was really, really stressful. But um, yeah, so those are my top three revision experiences. That's an impressive uh, resume there. Well, there you go. If I go big, yeah, I like to go big. If I go anywhere, so. Yeah, well. But I mean, I, I I know your list. I have some of your issues as well. Um, I don't want to be a spoiler and take away from from your spotlight. So I'll let you go on. Oh, my spotlight. Yes. Which, by the way, now I feel incredibly inadequate because I haven't injured myself in or had had these complications, these really impressive complications. So I now sound like a wimp. So here are the things that I've dealt with. Um, Back spasms, uh, you know, f this is a very common one, especially for above knee amputees. If you're not stretching a lot, I don't. If you are less active at this time of year, I tend to be. Um, yeah, your back just seizes up on you because you spend all day sitting around doing nothing. Um, so that is that is an ever-present risk. And when it gets really bad, you eventually pull a muscle in your back and then um, you end up in situations like I was um, shortly after I joined the company I worked for back in 2006, where I went to a major industry trade show and I'd blown my back out and I basically was on crutches. I could barely walk. Oh. And the the culmination of this was, and I may have told this story on the podcast before, but the culmination was on the flight back home, I managed to spill a giant soda cup full of ice it just had ice in it all over myself on the airplane. And my back hurt so much I couldn't move. I couldn't stand up to get the ice off. So I'm just sitting there in cold ice the entire flight home, oh. drenched. And I was I, I was laughing at myself by the end. I was just sitting there. All I could do was try to wipe 
ice off my lap. Um, and that was the extent of my mobility in that scenario. Um, another common one, uh, foot pain, uh, especially if I am forced to stand for an extended period of time, like 45 minutes to an hour, um, I'll start to feel real pain in my foot. And I actually spoke to one of our old guests, Peggy, Bob Gailey, about this. And he said what it actually is, and it's very common in lower extremity amputees, he said, the longer you stand, um, especially as you get older, your foot flattens out. He says, um, basically, it's it's nerve pain. It's It's the nerves in your foot, everything's getting compressed, and there's no offloading because amputees tend to overload their sound side. And I, I, I've done everything I can to try to unload it. But if you're standing as I have in a line for like a, a concert, go to a concert with Max and we'll be on a line for an hour or we're in general admission in the venue itself. And so we're standing for two, three hours. Um, you know, the moment I start walking, the foot feels better, but man, you're, you're sitting there or standing there and it's just horrific. It's really, yeah. really painful. That is precisely the reason when we go to amusement parks um, in the summer when it's like super crazy, I will take advantage of the the fast track where you go to the front of the line because otherwise it's just, it's absolutely miserable. And I think we talked about that in our um, disability perks one, but that's precisely the reason because it's really, really painful and hard. Yeah. Just the longer you stand, the more it hurts. Kind of obvious, but not fun. And then the other one that I've had is um, IT band syndrome. And this is basically where the tissue on the outside of your leg rubs against uh, your thigh. And it it just ends up being sort of this persistent um, kind of burning pain down your leg. And this can happen from time to time. This is sporadic for me. And this tends to happen for me, Peggy, actually, when for whatever reason, if if I've lost weight, and therefore I'm sinking deeper in the prosthesis, it's when my my leg length um, gets a little screwed up. So my my sound side isn't the right height relative to my prosthetic side. So um, that's something that I'll experience. And it ends up becoming a warning that I better go and get my height checked and probably it means my socket fits compromised. But those are the ones that I've had not nearly as impressive as yours. Well, you've still got time. Let's hope not. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for wishing that for me. No, 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 not at all. I think so. And I was thinking about this, why you've been relatively lucky when it comes to the revisions. Um, And I think it is, Primarily because you're an AK, also because you're a male. I think that that women, um, and at one point I researched it for a different project, the prevalence of osteoporosis um, for for female amputees is higher. So the bones just aren't as strong. And, and I know when you get pregnant, you know, just all kinds of crap starts growing down there. So... Yeah, stuff happens though, right? I mean, it's just everybody has a battle that you have to take care of. And this is just one of the things that that we have to maintain. There are ways to cope and there are things that you can do to limit comorbidities. Um, You know, I, I used to hop down the stairs. I used to, you know, skip over my prosthetic and just land on my sound side, kind of like uh, uh, Tigger from Winnie the Pooh, just hop, 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 hop everywhere. And then, um, 
a, a mutual friend of ours looked at me and said, do you realize what your leg is going to be like in 15 years if you keep doing that? And I stopped hopping because he was right. I hadn't thought about that. So if you're a hopper, stop. And that means also if you are a hopper with your leg off, hopping just to go to the bathroom, I used to do that too until I hopped on a Lego. And I will tell you, I, I won't hop anymore. <laughs> the Legos will do you in. The Legos will do you in every time. Um, weight is also another another issue. You know, try to keep your weight in check as much as you can. Um, try to stay active. Try to keep you know your your general skin healthy on your limb. Um, make sure that your alignment is correct. Make sure that you go in to get your alignment checked, especially if you fall or you find that, you know, my back is starting to hurt a little bit more and, and I haven't done anything different. Go and check your alignment, go and check your height because it may be something very simple that can be fixed that you don't have to accept those small little aches and pains and they don't have to become greater issues. Yeah. I mean, I know for me, when I became an amputee, Peggy, I was 27. So there was this whole kind of macho thing about hopping with me. It was like, isn't it cool? I can stand on one leg for essentially an unlimited period of time. I could hop incredible distances, and I did. And it was kind of like a point of pride. If I didn't have my prosthesis with me, it didn't matter. And um, I remember once I was I was with a group of physical therapists um, demonstrating a product and I was on stairs and I, um, I went down the stairs, leg over leg wearing the prosthesis, but I hopped back up them cause it was faster and they all lost their minds. They're like, what are you doing? And I just remember the chorus of, of, um, chaos from them. And I was like, what, what's the big deal? And they're like, no, 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 you do that. And you won't, you know, you won't be walking. Right. You won't um, be you hopping much longer either. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we're looking at you hoppers out there. We've been you. Exactly. And I do. I think it's a very normal thing for people to start doing. Um, yeah. Because it's just, it's a natural accommodation. But seriously, if you find yourself hopping, you know, make mental note, have your loved ones, you know, tell them you know, that, that you need to stop, <laughs> you know, we'll do a hopping intervention. If you want to join us on our network, amplife.com, we will help you stop the hop. Yeah. Hashtag no hop. There you go. I like that. Um, so how to cope, be proactive, take care of things that, that could become issues later, including your weight, including stretching, um, I'm not a big stretcher either, but I'm really working on it, especially as I'm getting older. I realize when I wake up in the morning, you know, it's like, hey, what's going to hurt this morning? It's not fun. Um, and be realistic. You know, at some point in your life, you may have an issue with your limb. Um, it's something that happens and it sucks when you're going through it, but you know, get the support, get all the information, think through, you know, all of your options and, and make a plan. Yep. I think, I think being realistic about, about this and not, you know, not having it happen and then say for the first time, oh, I've never thought about that, this, and now it's going to sink me emotionally, um, is, it doesn't have to happen. I, I think, I think you can, 
actually take control over this from a psychological standpoint to some extent by just thinking ahead and saying, all right, if this, you know, if, if this is the reality I'm going to be facing, A, what can I do to to try to limit the chances of it happening? And B, if it did happen, what what's the plan? And, you know, talk to people who have experience with this because um, they'll have amazing feedback for you. I know that I've spoken to people in the community about issues that are sort of ancillary to this. And I've learned about resources, things that I just didn't even know existed. Like, so. And um, how can you connect with the community, Dave, if you're looking to connect with the community? Well, if I were looking to connect with an online community, what I would do, Peggy, is I would go to www.ampedlife.com. That's just me though. Yes. Well, and it should be all the cool amputees are there. Um, no, it is a it is a private community. It is away from your social network. So if you want a safe place to just communicate with peers, other people who understand without kind of having all of these little issues in your feed for the whole world to see, um, it's there is an associated app so you can keep it on your phone. Um, I'm logged in all the time. It's a, it's a really cool little network. So we do invite you to join us there. Fantastic. So, so do you want to summarize this, Peggy? Sure. I will summarize. Uh, complications are inevitable. And yes, they do stink. Um, but there are some things that you can do to minimize your chances. There are some things that you can do to address them when they're happening. And there are some things that you can do um, just to get the information that you need and know the risk factors for habits that you have or habits that you could acquire that may minimize your chances for having to have a major revision or pain down the road. Because, you know, like it or not, we're going to be wearing some form of these devices, you know, when, when we're old. And, you know, for the rest of my life, this is going to be part of me. So I do need to take care of it. Um, human body is not made, you know, to, to use a, a prosthesis. They're fantastic devices. They, they have come so far, but still the body does not react like it would with a biological limb. So we really have to, to be cognizant of that and really protect the sound side as much as you can. Amen. I have nothing to add to that, Peggy. All right. Well, Dave, it was great talking with you. And you. I hope you have a great end of February, and we'll touch base in March. I'm looking forward to it. Take care. Bye. Bye.